Hey, this is Barbara Quinn, author of the Summer Springsteen song, Save Me. And when I'm not writing or having fun at the Jersey Shore, I'm right here listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Jesse rocks. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is something rare. Um, when I end the podcast, most of you know, I always say, if you want to be on the podcast and share your Springsteen story, reach out to me. And my guest actually did that. He sent me a wonderful email. He had nice compliments and uh, said, hey, um, here's my story. And so tonight we're going down to Harry's place. Harry, welcome to the mm-hmm. show. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jesse. Thanks. All right. So are you already beaten down that I said Harry's place? No, I was uh, figuring out a way to work that in somewhere later, but thanks for getting that out of the way right away. I um, I, I will tell you right now, I I, uh, I have already uploaded Harry's Place to use as the intro and outro music on the podcast. So, <laughs> um, with a name like Jesse Jackson, I you know I I feel like I have a little bit of a license to. Um, because my name's been mocked enough that uh, it's okay to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, very cool. Well, Harry, I am thrilled yeah. you're here. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Northtown, Pennsylvania, but right now I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I've lived here over 30 years now. Oh, very nice. Atlanta, Georgia. One of my favorite cities. Uh, normally, I would be getting ready to go to Dragon Con their Labor Day weekend, um, but this year I sold the right to go to Dragon Con because I went to Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, and oh, <laughs> and which I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's a fair uh, trade, but my wife did look at me like you aren't even thinking about asking for Dragon Con, are you? Like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> we we attend the Dragon Con parade every year. My kids want to go again this year, and, and it is a, a hoot. So I, I understand why you like that. That is fun. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Dragon Con is a convention that happens in downtown Atlanta over Labor Day weekend. It is over six or seven hotels. Unlike San Diego Comic-Con, which is all in the convention center, um, each of these um, different tracks, they have a Star Trek, uh, Fantasy, Mm -hmm. you know, Josh Whedon, just any genre of science fiction, speculative, pop culture, they have a theme. 
and it takes over downtown Atlanta. Um, on Friday, you see people dressed as Klingons walking next to guys in business suits because, you know, it's fairly <laughs> near to the you know, business. And on Saturday morning, um, they have this massive parade. Mm-hmm. Um, where, um, and, and just thousands of people who never go to the convention show up to watch it. And, yeah, and, stop traffic. It, yeah. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal downtown. Mm-hmm. It is. And one of the things I love about Atlanta is how much they embrace the convention. Um, like the the aquarium downtown will have a Dragon Con night. A couple of years mm-hmm. ago, the Braves were in town on Labor Day, and they did a Dragon Con night where they had everyone who wanted to – you know, march around the field, kind of a mini parade before the baseball game. So uh, just, just it's a city that loves um, embracing and people visiting. So um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm now smiling that I know you're from Atlanta because <laughs> it is truly some of my happiest memories. Um, how did you well, get? Good. How did you get from Philly down to Atlanta? Uh, well, I. Worked for a little company called Coca-Cola, and uh, you end up in Atlanta after a couple of years. And, I, uh, you know, Harry, I hate to jump in. I was going to make that joke. What, do you work for Coke? Is that why you got down to Atlanta? <laughs> and I am so mad I didn't because it would be like, oh, um, Coca-Cola is well, a big deal in Atlanta. It's a big deal. I, I no longer work for them, but um, after coming down here for a few uh meetings. Actually, I, I left Philly and went to New York City for uh, about eight years uh, with Coca-Cola, realized uh, after a few meetings in Atlanta that it's a lot meant to be down in the South, especially wintertime. So I jumped at the chance to move down here and, and haven't looked back. Very nice. Um, so have you converted your sports fandom to uh, the Atlanta teams, or have you stayed loyal? Uh, I actually have. Uh, my kids were born here. Uh, they're, you know, I didn't want to bring my Philadelphia biases to them, but um, and I can see a lot more Falcons and Braves games than I can Phillies and Eagles. Although I am pretty excited that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and now hopefully it'll be Atlanta's turn. Yes, yes, uh, that would be great. My son's best friend, um, mom, grew up in Atlanta, and she is a diehard Braves fan. Um, they're Georgia Tech uh, College, and uh, mm-hmm. she calls it the P word. Um, you do not have Pepsi in the house. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that is awesome. Um, so... Um, Talk about growing up in uh, Philly. What kind of music did your family listen to? What, um, you know, um, were you, were they big yeah. music fans? Yes, yes. My my folks were obviously uh, grew up in the era where it was uh, Sinatra, and we had some uh, Ray Charles albums. We had a lot of um, Broadway show albums. So there was a lot of show tunes being played growing up. Um, we we listened to a lot of radio. The um, 
AM stations in Philadelphia, I can remember in the you know mid '60s when I first started uh, listening to the music, and then uh, some of the first FM stations. Uh, great thing about Philly is just a wide range of styles. Um, I can remember we had an album of WFIL hits of 1971, and it would have everything from R&B to you know, rock, you know, they had The Door, they had Freedom of Pain. And I still remember listening to this album, like, gosh, I don't, I have no idea what that album is now, but the, this was the, the things that were on the radio every day. It wasn't as segmented as it is today when you go on the satellite radio and you listen to your favorite station playing all the same type of music. Yeah, it, it was very diverse. And I think that um, uh, really helped appreciate all different styles. Um, I think you're right. Um, I have talked about this before, that uh, I grew up in uh, southwest Louisiana, a small town called Lake Charles, and uh, we had the KLOU was the AM station. I graduated high school in 77, and, you know, top 40 records, you know, you had everything. And um, mm-hmm. in, it it is a... Um, I, I'm going to have old man syndrome, right? But is um, it, it just, and don't get me wrong, I love me some E Street Radio. I, right now, this mm-hmm. summer, um, Sirius XM has a Beach Boys channel, and I mm-hmm. they are playing yep. some real ob, um, obscure and deep cuts, and I am loving the mix of that. My wife and I drove back from Austin, and uh, we had gone down for the weekend, and she's like, okay, Sunday, you get to pick the music, and um, <laughs> oh, it'll be Bruce. And I said, no, 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 let's listen to the Beach Boy channel. And she says, I am just loving this channel. It is just such a really, mm-hmm. really nice, um, it, it, you know, and so, but there is something about having this wide diversity where you're having Motown or British Invasion or Southern mm-hmm. Rock or Pop. You know, you go from Barry White to uh, Barry Manilow and, uh, you know, <laughs> Ray Stevens to Ray Charles. And mm-hmm. it is, there is just something really beautiful about that. I agree. Currently, I listen to a lot of the uh, Tom, Tom Petty Buried Treasures, mm-hmm. where he pulls out, you know, old, blues, Delta blues, and men plays the class, you know, and they go great together. I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting, you know, British Invasion next to, uh, you know, girl groups from the 60s. So it's, it's really good stuff. Yeah, uh, the closest, I guess, is Little Steven's Underground Garage. You know, he does a mm-hmm. bright mix of that. Um, so, yeah, um, that's good. Um, how about high school when you reached in? What was your go-to genre then? Well, that's um, that's when we got into progressive rock. So I played clarinet in the junior high band, learned a lot of, you know, played in the symphony at, at junior high, um, switched to saxophone because it was cool. Sure. And then when I got to high school, I played football, so I wasn't in the band anymore. Although I did stay active, I 
uh, would play in the pit band because they couldn't get the regular band people to play for the musicals that they put on. Right. But growing up listening to a lot of musicals, it's like, oh, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, and that never never interfered with football because that was in the spring. So, um, uh, but yeah, in high school with my buddies, it was a lot of progressive rock. You know, the mid seventies. It was yeah, you know, anything that. Yes, or Pink Floyd or Genesis put out. You know, we just soaked up. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find Bruce? Well, I was lucky enough to have an older brother, about five years older than me. So, uh, you know, he had. I, I'm sorry to jump in. As yeah. regular listeners know, that is a ongoing theme: yep. siblings, mm-hmm. uh, where either you influence the sibling. Or they influenced you, so you had an older brother. Yep, and he had the first three albums. So mm-hmm. I can remember. I remember he brought home this album with a white cover on it, and you know, a guy standing there in a leather jacket, and and he just said, "Yeah, you listen to this; is pretty good." <laughs> so that was one run. It's like, oh, that is pretty good. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, again, I had a few friends who. Kind of like more of the rock, but it was, um, in fact, when I went to first see Springsteen, I had to go with a girlfriend's older sister because none of my friends wanted to go see him. <laughs> and this this was in 1978, so don't hate me, but I saw one of the uh, 78 shows that are very famous. Oh, nice. Well, I- I'm going to get to that in a little bit. <laughs> Um, because in your letter, you talked about your email to me about mm-hmm. the significance. And, and I want to get to that in a little bit um, of those okay. radio broadcasts and how that spread the word, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, so you heard it and you're like, all of a sudden, I, I like this stuff. What about his yeah. music spoke to you? Well, uh, the difference between the progressive rock we were listening to, which was uh, a little bit out there, very uh, symphonic in the different time signatures and changes, a lot of synthesizers, uh, Bruce was more visceral. I mean, this is just a guy, you know, just speaking from his heart, thinking about stuff he knows, telling stories about people that you could close your eyes and see. Like, oh. I, I know that. I, I know a person like that. I, I know a person. I know that type. I know what he's talking about. I, I know that girl he's thinking about, you know. I also wanted her and never got her. So that kind of thing really, you know, hit home to a teenager uh, in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, so when I always like to throw that out there that just because, you know, the number of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair parameter of what kind of fan you are because if you live in Atlanta or Dallas, it's Mm -hmm. much tougher to see him. But uh, just for the record, how many times have you seen him? Uh, I I don't keep count. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, there was a time in the early 80s, he played five nights in a row at the Spectrum, and I went to three in a row, and my parents were like, well, why didn't you go to the other two? Because <laughs> I ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, trust me, it wasn't because, yes. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I do 
Um, there are people who say, um, you know, that if you have to count, it doesn't, you know, you, it doesn't matter. Um, and so mm -hmm. I, I think that's interesting. That's great. Um, are there a couple that uh, mean? Um, was it? Is there um, st shows that stand out? Uh, well, the first one, as always, yeah, you never yeah. forget your first time. Uh, but uh, honestly, there was uh, about eight years ago, nine years ago, uh, they were tearing down the Spectrum in Philadelphia, and he was going to play the, the last time he played in the building, uh, which is this building I saw him in in 1978. So I told my wife, I was like, I really want to go see Springsteen, and she, she knows all of them, so it's like, yeah. okay, she, she's not the biggest fan. Yeah, he's playing in Atlanta, you want to get tickets, it's like, no, we need to go see him in Philadelphia. And she's like, we do? I said, well, yeah, because I want to see him in the place where I first saw him. And she said, he was totally on board, he's a great uh, trooper. So we went up to Philadelphia, it, and that one was special um, for some other reasons. Um, you know, he, he spent a little bit of time in Atlanta. He, he recorded a few albums down here. And I, I I didn't stalk him, but I found out the hotel that he stayed in. Knowing that he, the, the, the hotel that he liked, I booked a room in that hotel up in Philadelphia. And long story short, I met everyone in the band except Bruce and Clarence. <laughs> we walked through the lobby, and they're all standing there. Wow. And I'm looking around, and my wife just keeps going. This, this was the day after the concert. We went out for lunch. Well, it was breakfast when we got up, but it was lunch at the time. We went out for lunch, came back. They were getting ready to go to the next night's show. And I, I'm looking around. I was like, this is the E Street Band. And she's like, who? And I was like, no, the band just She went up to the room. She was tired. I said, I'm going to sit down here for a little minute. And... The cool part was I spent about 10 minutes talking to Max and Roy, who I think are both, you know, young, fun heroes of the East Street Band. Yeah. Um, especially Roy. I've always been a big fan of the piano. I think it really um, it sets off the guitar and saxophone, which are the, you know, the big players in the band. Um, but the, the piano, I mean, many of the best songs, you know, start with the piano intros. Um, had the driving piano, so getting to speak to Roy was just just a thrill for me, and uh, super nice guy. Just couldn't have been nicer. They they you know I turned into fanboy, and I don't even remember what I was talking about because I was a little starstruck. But they were just great guys, and I enjoyed meeting them. You know, after uh, leaving them, I was walking out, and then you know, little Stephen walks by, <laughs> and I did a. Hey, see, he was like, hey, and he kind of looked at me like, who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you know, and then they all went in their bus and went down to see the show, but that was just a, certainly a thrill, as you can imagine. Uh, oh, that's amazing. everybody, except Bruce and Clarence, unfortunately, I didn't get to see that. Yeah, that's a, boy, that's a great story. Um, yeah, I would love, um, Susie is who I would love to spend some time with. Um, but I also think Roy would be very cool. Um, just, uh, you know, they're, they truly are an amazing band. 
and, 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 you know, such strong musicians. And I think one of the cool things, especially now that they've come back together, mm -hmm. is they know they are the sum of the parts is greater than the separate parts. Together, they are more than they are even Bruce without them. Um, and I guess Broadway might say, I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I mean, but I think, you know, Broadway is more actually an acting, you know, a one man show mm -hmm. than it is a mm -hmm. concert. And when the E Street Band is together and they are, um, sharing that joy, um, you know, it is just a magical place. Absolutely. I think they're all underrated as musicians, but when they get together, it's exponentially better than the sum of its parts, yeah. without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Um, so um, let's talk about it. Now, in your email, you mentioned that you um, you so tell a little bit of the stories about you were sharing in your email about you know the radio shows and some other things. Mm -hmm. So, so um, like I said, I was lucky enough to see him in 1978 in the summer. Uh, I played the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Uh, it was probably only the second or third concert I, I ever saw. And I think, oh, this is great. I love going to see concerts. They're all this exciting. <laughs> well, not always, but uh, later that summer, at the end of the summer, um, WMMR, which is a local uh, FM station in Philadelphia, said they were going to broadcast a concert from the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey, uh, a Bruce Springsteen show, and broadcast the entire concert. So. What I did was went out and bought an old TIAC cassette deck, well, a new TIAC cassette deck, um, and hooked it up to my older brother's uh, stereo and went and got some, I have them right in front of me here, TDK DC90, two of them, two 90-minute cassettes awesome. to record the show. Yeah. I, I still have them. I've made over 300 cassettes over the years, and these were the first two cassettes ever made. Oh, that is so cool. Um, so um, it was funny because it was, uh, let's see, it was uh, uh, 9-18-78, I have written down here. Actually, I wrote 7-18-78, which for some reason <laughs> I didn't even have the date correct, but in my defense, uh, I think football had already started up, but we, we might have been in camp for two days and I was pretty tired. <laughs> so, uh, and I had no headphones, so I had to just play the music really low. My brother was already off at college, so I was in the room by myself. Um, I had to fade in and out of the songs to try and fit the um, songs onto the cassettes. I had no idea if that was going to work. And as it turns out, um, I got all the songs on two 90-minute cassettes. Um, I, I have since purchased the bootleg CD, which is much better quality than my old cassette. Yeah. But these are still, I mean, they just represent a, a moment in time that, uh, just, you know, 
I could still I could still hear the music really well through the speakers. Um, and then when he started talking to the crowd, I would fade out and thinking, okay, I need to save some room here so I can fit it all on this side of the cassette. And then when the song was over, quickly flip over the set cassette to the other side and, and try to make sure I don't miss much. And um, I, I did okay. It was tough because he, he he tends to talk a little bit between songs, and, and I wanted to capture some of that because I think that's one of the, some of the best parts of his live performances is, is when he talks about the songs because right. he's just such a great storyteller. I, the songs themselves are such great stories. And I haven't seen uh, Broadway. You said you've gone there, and what a great venue to tell his story. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, it's funny. I just talked about this uh, when he did the Super Bowl show. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I waited, and okay, it's the end of the half. I stopped the DVR. And then hit record again, and so that I would have just his show on the DVR, so that when I I wouldn't have to go through the whole game just to watch the halftime show again and again and again. Uh, finally, my wife's like, "Okay, enough. How many more times are you going to see that?" Uh, oh, but that was that was a great twelve minutes. That was fantastic. yeah, I, that was such such greatness. So anyway, um, I, I can totally see you're like, okay, I, I only have so much time. Yep. What are we going to do? Um, that's that's wonderful. Um, you mentioned a little bit, but do you pull them out sometimes? Uh, I do. I'm a little hesitant to play them a lot. I mean, I, I wore them out. I mean, it's hard to believe the, the paper is still on the actual cassette. Um, I wore them out in the 70s and 80s, so I'm afraid to break the cassette. Sure. Uh, especially now that I, I have a digital copy on my uh, devices, my phone, my iPad. So I listen to it that way. And now, you know, the you see that channel plays this show every now and then. Yeah. I think they just released a another show from Passaic, but not this night. I'm not sure. It, it just was released and. Um, so they recognize kind of the greatness of it. Um, in fact, I remember when the first, the, the live, uh, 75 to 85 came out, the big, uh, box set, I can remember a reviewer saying, well, this is good, but he really needs to just release one of those 78 shows because they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. And this was before anybody knew about this. All the, yeah, unless you did what I did and recorded it the night of the show, there was no other way to hear it again. Yeah, you know, and now thanks to satellite radio, we can hear a lot of these old shows, and, and you just you just hear someone you know who just went through the the legal problems he did was pent up for so many years, and you know it's just bursting out all over those seventy eight shows. He was out there and with a vengeance, I think. You know, I got I got this great new album I just wanted to put out, and I need to you know go hit the road and show people what we can do. And it was, you know, it, I think it's all captured on those seventy eight shows. Yeah. Um... I agree. It is something so special, and and there is magic in that. Um, do um, and I do think it's a blessing 
that so many of the shows uh, throughout the eras have been released as official downloads. Um, Mm -hmm. We are so blessed to hear these different um, shows and we can hear some different things and and the the different bands and the songs. Um, Yeah, I, I just I agree with you. It's just something pretty amazing. Um, so as yep. what, do you have some favorite albums or songs, um, things well, <laughs> that mean a lot to you? Uh, yeah, for, for a long time, uh, these two cassettes were my favorite. Uh, when, when the river came out, it's like, okay, I have, um, I have some of these songs already point blank. Um, what else is on here? Uh, Independence Day, some of the better songs that I think were great live and really yeah. ratcheted up the, the emotional uh, content, um, which is why The River uh, was not as, I don't know, it's not my favorite, uh, other than the song The River, I think, oh, I've heard all these before, you know, uh, and Sherry Darling is better on this live cassette than, than the one they had recorded there, so you know, it becomes a little bit of a, you know, that's where I, okay, this is, uh, you know, my favorite album is, is this, you know, live concert show. Uh, um, that said, I, I, I love a lot, a lot of his uh, later stuff. I mean, I love the, um, the, um, some of my favorite songs were on uh, Bucky Town and uh, uh, his, his songs without the, the E Street Band. Uh, yeah, I uh, and then I thought that yeah, I was going to ask you about that because um, there are I have as I was reading and and you know we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand, you know you were sharing how much the rising meant to you and it mm-hmm. seems like you have embraced his full career of um, you know and and kind of appreciate the fact that during every phase of his career, he's brought something special to the table. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I love the session stuff. I love the, uh, the song American Land is one of my favorite songs. I, I, I tell a story that, um, well, that's the story of my grandfather. You know, my grandfather yeah. came from Italy and worked in a steel mill in, in uh, suburbs of Philly. Um, he, he stood in a field to um, be a day laborer to get picked up to be taken to the steel mill. And some days he wouldn't get picked up because the foreman was Irish and he didn't like Italians. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you just think this stuff has gone on, you know, a hundred years ago and it's not much different now. And of course that song American land, you know, sums it up that this is, this is, um, yeah, this is a story that you can all relate to, and you know that one hit me in the head. It's like, yeah, I can relate to it. That was my grandfather. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. You know, and especially um, as they talk about it was happening then, it's happening now. Well, uh, yeah, it just so so well uh, said. Um, so, um, what? Um, any other stories or share you want to share or? 
Uh, no, just, uh, well, let's see what I want to talk about here. Uh, looking at my cassettes, it's like, you know, I think every concert should start with Badlands. Okay. I don't mean every I don't mean every Bruce concert. I mean every concert you go to. <laughs> I think you know, Taylor Swift is is here in Atlanta this weekend. She should open with Badlands. <laughs> I think that would be genius. Like if I owned a venue, <laughs> I would have the sheet music for Badlands, and I'd say, okay, you know, to play here, you got to open with Badlands. You can do whatever mm-hmm. set you want to do afterwards, but for fun, we're gonna record. Everyone doing Badlands, <laughs> and then I'll yep. do. We're gonna sit, you know. We're gonna routinely send that, uh, release those out. I think that is genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I love that. I mean, you know, the last time we heard Bruce was, you know, the the ending of Jungle Land, and you know, the next thing we hear is the beginning of Dark from the Other Town, which opens with Badlands, and kind of continues the story that he started uh, back with uh, Wonder Run. So to me, there's this, this thread through all of his music that tells a story of the, I mean, I've heard this a lot on, on, uh, from other people talking on EC Radio, but the story of the, the American uh, condition, the American life, and, and yeah. the different stories we all tell. And, and he, you know, he can pull together these ideas and, and put it in... <laughs> marries the right music and set it uh, alive that, um, that everyone can relate to on, on a lot of different levels, too. It's not just as cut and dry as they seem. There's a lot of depth to his music. You know, and I was, as I, the, someone posted on Facebook that, you know, the, the story supposedly is after 9-11, you know, someone shouted to him, hey, we need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel That's like that we are saying that to him now with everything that is going on. Um, I think a lot of us are saying that. And uh, we want to hear. Um, he has spoken out a lot about some things, and I... I, I love that he is, you know, just asking us to be a little better as people. Um, you know, forget about politics. Just be a little nicer. Be a little kinder. Be a little more compassionate. And, you know, that's such a smart thing to do. And, and I'm mm-hmm. glad he does that. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, yeah. I mean, I understand he. Sitting on a new album that, that I can't wait to hear because I'm yeah. sure he has something interesting to say. Um, but I guess he's just hanging out in Broadway doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which, if you saw yeah. in the news as we're recording this, it's the uh, first part of August. Um, they just talked about that. Uh, that uh, Broadway had a drop the week he was on vacation. Uh, the mm. average ticket boss went down, the revenue, it was, uh, I thought that was so funny that, um, you know, Bruce is hurting because of uh, how well this is done. Uh, he's not been able to do that. So I thought that was greatness. So, yeah. Yeah. 
good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, the um, I did want to when he tours again. Are there songs that you've been chasing? Songs that you are, you know, that you would want to hear uh, live? Yes, and uh, top of that list is um, going way back to uh, uh, Kitty's Back. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on this particular uh, recording from 78, he dedicates it to Philly. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. He he talked about it, how it's a, I guess recently with his latest book, and he he read a lot from the book on uh, East Street Radio, he talked about how uh, he was really into progressive rock, which, I mean, my jaw dropped when I heard that. I was like, wait, what? He was my my anti-progressive rock. But he talked about you know, all the different uh, movements and, and, and tempo changes and, and, and chord changes that he would put into, you know, rock and roll, not necessarily, you know, synthesizers and, and, and progressive stuff. But Kitty's Back was a song he brought up about how doing that. And I was like, hey, that's why I love it so much. Like, it just dawned on me all these years later. It's like, oh, that's why I love it, you know? Uh, so that was something that... You know, I, I probably heard in one of the 78 shows I saw. I don't quite remember it, so I really would like to hear it again. I've, seen, I've heard some recordings of him uh, recently uh, in the last 10 years or so where he played Kitty's Back. Doesn't, doesn't do it very often um, because uh, I guess he needs a little bit more of a horn section to do that, but, but he's been traveling one now. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, I did hear a funny story on Eastern Radio where... Uh, uh, Max Weinberg's son was talking about playing with the band, yeah. and they asked him what what he liked to play, and he said, "Well, I got really nervous one night because I saw on the set list Kitty's back was on it, and there's all these changes, and I started writing the changes down on my arm and where I put a fill here and, and don't put a fill there." And he said he wrote it up and down his arm, and, and then he just stopped and said, "And we were in Philly." And they'll kill you if you get it wrong. <laughs> yes. I just had to laugh. I was like, that's why we went back to Philly to see the show. Because, you, know, you know, closer to his hometown, I think he definitely ups the ante a little bit, plays, plays more shows. Not to take anything about I mean, any show is great anywhere you see it. Yes. But, um, you know, people in New Jersey, people in New York, you know, people in Philly know we get the good shows. They, yeah, they really said, are. Yeah. Um, there yeah. is a different feeling on there. Um, and it, it, you know, when he makes the joke, my people, um, you know, makes that comment, he's not joking. He feels that way. And um, so, yeah, just so, so much greatness. Um, the... Um, besides Kitty's back, anything else that strikes? Uh, I would love to hear him do, and again, getting back to the 78 recording, uh, do She's the One, but have the Buddy Holly intro, where he does uh, not fade away into She's the One, because when you think about it, it's the same song. Yes. It's Bruce saying, I'm going to do my Buddy Holly here. I'm going to, this is, 
you know, it's the same the, the tone, it's the same beat. <laughs> um, and here's another little side story. One of the shows I saw in the summer of 78, he brings out Gary Busey, and he oh, said, nice. I just saw this movie called The Buddy Holly Story, and here's, here's the guy who played Buddy Holly, and we're going to play a couple of Buddy Holly songs. And they ripped through a couple of Buddy Holly songs, which, unfortunately, I'll admit, my teenager self was like, oh, no, I want to hear some Bruce songs. I don't want to hear these old, you know, in, in the 70s, you know, the 50s yeah. music was just kind of quaint, you know, it was the old Happy Days stuff that was all big. It's like, ah, no, I want to hear Bruce songs. But, of course, he, he, you know, he tore them up. They were really good. Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was kind of glad when Gary Busey got off the stage and they got back to playing Bruce songs. Um, you know, there it's, what's kind of funny is, uh, I have the, um, the same thought. I was at Nashville a couple of years ago and, um, they, you know, they played a great version of, um, a Nashville, uh, you know, satisfaction and um a, an elvis cover burn in love and mm, yeah. you know and and you know i i now um you know i love that and but i had a good friend say cuz one of the kids had a sign for satisfaction and mm. um my friend said i know your kid is not going to be holding up a sign for satisfaction, <laughs> like no, no, yeah. my 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 son would, you know, my son would not. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so it's time for the quiz. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Um, we have um, the Mary question. So, mm -hmm. um, my buddy. Jay has been on the show. Uh, Jay has taught um, honors English, and he covers um, Thunder Road as a poem, often comparing it to uh, The Road Less Traveled by Robert Frost. And <clears throat> at the end of, as he discusses it, at the end of the question, at the end of the thing, he says, does Mary get in the car? So my question to you is, does Mary get in the car? Well, I have thought this over, and while I could see both answers, I have come to the conclusion that she does not get in the car. Okay. Yep, I think she doesn't have the same burning desire to get out of town like he does. She might be dissatisfied in their little hometown, but her dreams aren't as big as his. Um, I do think. Well, I thought she didn't get in the guitar in the in the car, but then the much later he has a song called Mary's Place, where they get together in Mary's Place at a party. It's like, oh wait, he gets back with her. Maybe it was a high school reunion or something, and. They realize that you know they're, they're friends. They both had their lives separately, but they kind of get together again later in life. Even though she didn't get in the car to get out of town, um, they both uh, 
ended up friends later on in life. Oh, very nice. I like that answer. I like that answer. All right. So, Harry, any final thoughts before I let you get back to your uh, night? Uh, well, I just want to say thanks. This has been a lot of fun for me. I, I certainly enjoy listening to your podcast. Um, I will enjoy seeing Bruce when he comes around again. I, and I'm glad you, uh, you let me ramble on about the, uh, the things I love most about Bruce. Oh, no, I, I just love it. it. It's always fun. We talked about before we hit record, you know, I believe every Bruce Springsteen has a story, and it's my goal to get everyone on tape, you know, to get them to share their story. Because all of us, we, um, you know, we have this bond, and we have this togetherness, and um, and and we are all this part of this extended uh, Springsteen family. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, hang on while I do a little business. Um, if you mm -hmm. want to be on the podcast, do like Harry did. Send me an email at setlessthingbruce at gmail.com. Uh, tell me why. Uh, give me feedback on the podcast. I want to do a feedback episode, but I haven't had anyone give me feedback lately, so I'd love to hear what you think, maybe questions for me. Um, I am on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is on Twitter at SetLessingBruce. Uh, Facebook page, please go like us there. And if you would please go to wherever you download your podcast and subscribe, like, rate and review us it is how we find new listeners um harry do you remember how you found the show uh i downloaded it from itunes and i heard you on some other podcasts that i listened to and uh definitely heard a, a kindred spirit uh in, in what you do so uh that's how i found uh something found your podcast and, and listen to it that way. Well, I truly, truly appreciate it. How about you? Are you on any social media? Uh, I just do Twitter so I can see what my kids are up to. All right. Do you want to give that account or not really? No, really. Okay. That's what I, I, don't, I, I don't post anything myself. I just, yeah, I you just, just follow uh, that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just follow that. Yes. I understand totally. All right. Um, well, uh, I, this has been a blast. I appreciate it. Um, I was wondering, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, they've announced that Bruce is going to be on Netflix in the middle of December, right, for mm -hmm. the broadcast. Yeah. But they are talking about having a limited series of at the theater, too. And... Um, and so I'm trying to arrange, and I'm going to suggest everyone else do, mini Springsteen hookups. Like, you know, find local people that love Bruce and kind of all go to the screening and, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, you can, we'll, we'll line up beforehand. We'll, you know, we'll pretend we have wristbands and then go and kind of watch <laughs> the, uh, uh, kind of together. So uh, look for more details about that soon. Uh, Harry? We're going to end with, they came across the water a thousand miles from home with nothing in their bellies but the fire down below. They died building the railroads, worked to bone and skin. They died in the fields and factories, names scattered in the wind. 
They died to get here a hundred years ago. They're still dying now. The hands that built the country were always trying to keep down. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Harry. We'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.